today, you might say, oh my, where do I begin, right? And, and it would be hard to identify. And, and then again, if you were asked, <clears throat> what is the biggest problem that you face personally? What would you say? I mean, just think about it. We don't want you to verbalize it here this morning. But personally, what is your biggest problem? Don't point at anyone, okay? Um, <clears throat> and, and realistically, um, in life, life is filled with many, many problems. And, um, and we have to learn how to deal with those. But today we want to deal with, really, if you, sum, if you were to sum everything down to ultimately the ultimate problem we have, it's not a very popular subject, but it's sin. My biggest problem is not what's going on around me. My biggest problem is my own sin in my own life. Every problem in this world can be traced back to the root of sin. And, and like I said, it's, it's not a very popular topic. And in fact, we, we develop all these names to rename sin to make it sound a little more um, acceptable and pleasing and so on. And, and even to the point that we call that which is sin a virtue. And Isaiah warned about that. He said, woe to them that call evil good and good evil. And we're, we're living in that day. It's not that it's new, but it's always been that way. But we're seeing it more and more in, in our land that has been historically built on calling evil evil and, and good good. And we're seeing the tables turn to a certain degree. <clears throat> but we back up and we ask, okay, what is sin? Um, depending who you ask, you could get a lot of different answers. <clears throat> but it doesn't matter what you think sin is or what I think sin is. It doesn't matter what the majority thinks sin is. It matters what God says sin is. And, and we read in Scripture, 1 John chapter 3 and verse 4, that sin is a transgression of the law. Meaning, God says, He draws a line and He says, I don't want you to go here. Well, we, we trespass against that. We go where we shouldn't go. We transgress, we go into this, whatever it is, and it is a transgression. That's a term that is used, that, that we violate God's law. <clears throat> now, let me just back up and say, <clears throat> God's laws are established because of God's nature. And he doesn't just randomly, hey, let's make it difficult for the people on earth. Let's set a restriction here and a restriction here. 
every, everything that God says is a reflection of His character. Sin is a violation of God's character. God is truth. So, to lie is a violation of God's character. And every sin is a violation of God's character. So, God sets up the law, and we'll talk more about that later, but sin is breaking the law of God. It's in 1 John again. He says it is lawlessness. It is rebellion against God. We we oftentimes like to think of sin as a an innocent mistake or a funny blunder or a A a noble flaw. Oh, I'm just flawed here. Sin is rebellion against God. I mean, to think about sin as shaking your fist in the face of God and, and saying, No, I don't care what you say. This is what I'm going to do. We never think of it in that light, but that's what sin is. It is, it is the rebellion at the, at the highest level. It's, it's open disobedience to what God has declared is right. <clears throat> now see, there are, there are a couple lies about sin. <clears throat> Some think that sin is bad behavior. Sin goes far deeper than the behavior. And some think if you can just change their behavior, then you've dealt with the sin. We'll we'll touch on that in just a little bit. And a second lie is that some think that sin is caused by what goes on around us. It's by what's outside of us rather than what's inside us. You may have said or you've heard people say, they make me so angry. No one can make you angry. That's your choice. And, and every sin is not from outside of us. Jesus said in Mark chapter 4, it's out of the abundance of the heart. And he listed these lists of sins covetousness and idolatry and envy and and adultery and and he and he said they all come from the heart it's easy for us to to get where we blame the world that we're living in or we blame people around us and and in this passage in Romans chapter 3 he brings it down personally and, and he causes us to understand that, no, this is a picture of our sin and, and our deceitfulness and our envy. And you could go on and list all the sins that you could think of, but ultimately it is rebellion against God and sin is horrible, it is ugly, it is vile, 
It is revolting. It is offensive. Offensive to God, and it is deadly. When we lived in Montana, <clears throat> one winter it got down to 34 below zero. I remember that. It wasn't the wind chill. It was the temperature. And we've always had dogs that lived outside. <clears throat> so we brought our dog in that night um, down in the basement, and and we had down in the basement a wood stove and so on. And I would get up early in the mornings and go downstairs and stoke the fire and and then I'd I just made I'd walk back and forth and pray. And and our dog had been in there that night and I was down there walking back and forth in my bare feet with the lights out and some of you know where this is going. Well I didn't know that the dog got sick during the night. And he got sick all over the floor. And I had the lights out, and I'm walking and talking to God, you know, and I step in this stuff. And I think, what is going on? And I turn the light on, and all over the floor, the carpet is... And I wanted to wait till others were up to have them clean it up, but I knew that wasn't the right thing to do. And and I'm I'm down there cleaning it up. I mean, this is before you're even awake, and I'm the gag reflex is starting to kick in. You know what I'm saying? <clears throat> and it's then and there that God started talking to me. And he said, This is how I view your sin. You know, it's easy for us to, to smooth sin over. It is, it is nauseating to God. It is sickening to God. I don't care how we dress sin up. It is vile. It is horrible. It is evil. It is sickening. And, and we can't imagine. We, we sang a song and it said, Talking about our sin, the Father turned His face away as our sin was placed on Jesus Christ. And to realize that sin is a violation of God's law. And, and we, re, we read in Romans chapter 3, he, he paints a, a picture, and I'm, I'm, I'm not going to go into great detail, but he, he paints a picture of our sin. He said, there is none righteous, no, not one. And then he says in verse 12, and I just, I just want to read a paraphrase that someone has written, or read a little bit, because I think it helps us get a picture of it. Everyone has turned away. All have gone wrong. No one anywhere has kept on doing what is right. No, not one. Now listen to this description. Their talk is foul and filthy like the stench from an open grave. You, you probably haven't smelled an open grave, but you've smelled enough dead animals in your life. This is what, he, this is what God is saying our sin is like. 
Their tongues are loaded with lies. Everything they say has in it the sting of poison, of deadly snakes. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. They are quick to kill, hating anyone who disagrees with them. Notice how that's put. They are quick to kill. Oh, I've never killed anybody. Hating, quickly hating anyone who disagrees with them. We've all been there and done that. that that's our sin. Wherever they go, they leave misery and trouble behind. They, they have never known what it is to feel secure or enjoy God's blessing. They care nothing about God or what He thinks. Now, you know, it's easy for us to think, yeah, I'm thinking of some people that are that way. No, that's us. That's what God is saying about all of us as human beings. And, and it's important for us to realize what sin is. It is a violation of the law. And in this passage, verse 20, he says that the law, therefore by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. The law shows us our sin. The law is our schoolmaster. In other words, the one instructed to teach us. And it comes to teach us, Galatians tells us. It's our schoolmaster to bring us to Jesus Christ. You, you may have heard, but... Ray Comfort illustrates this very well in, in bringing out the use of the law to show us our sin. He says that when he deals with individuals, um, he'll ask, have you ever told the lie? And they'll say, yeah, one or two. What does that make you? He'll ask them. And they'll say, a sinner. No, specifically, what does that make you? And oftentimes people hesitate. Well, that makes me a liar. How many lies do you have to tell to be a liar? One. And then he'll ask, have you ever stolen something? And oftentimes people will say, well, no. Well, have you ever stolen anything? I mean, a piece of gum from your mother's purse when you were a kid or, or whatever. Well, yeah, I guess, yeah, I've stolen some things. Well, what does that make you? A thief. And then he says to this man that he's talking to, have you ever looked at a woman to lust after her? God says, if you have, you've committed adultery with her in your heart. Have you ever done that? Well, yeah. So he says, by your own admission, you're a lying, thieving adulterer. And it's true. Do you understand what he's using? He's using the law, the Ten Commandments. Those are just three of the ten. There's seven more but already guilty, guilty, guilty. Our sin has made us guilty. You can see 
why people burn Bibles, can't you? They want to try to get rid of the guilt. You can't get rid of the guilt by trying to destroy the law because the law of God is written in our hearts. And the guilt will be there. And the law is given to show us our sin. It, it is so important for us to understand this. <clears throat> to understand this aspect of our own sin. And the reason God gave the law. Last week we looked at the holiness of God. And now we're looking at our sin and how that separates us from God. And the law shows us this is what God expects. This is God's standard. This is God's law. And it is important for us that we apply it to our own life and then that we use the law to help introduce people to their need of Christ. But when you come to the law and you see the law, you come away from it saying, I am a sinner. You know, sometimes that's hard for us to admit. So I'm going to help you today, okay? All of us together, I want you to say, I am a sinner. Ready? I am a sinner. Now say it like you mean it, okay? Ready? I am a sinner. And really the emphasis is on I. It is so easy for us to look around and say, wow, what a sinner and what a rebel and look how lawless those people are in Portland and look at all this that's going. No, I am a sinner. And I am a sinner by nature. We are sinners not because we sin, rather we sin because we're sinners. Do you understand? When Adam sinned, all mankind was born in sin. That's in our DNA. You never, you never have to teach anyone to do what is wrong. When, when the juvenile detention center was here in town and we'd go over and every Friday have services there, often I'd say, to the kids that were in there, I'd say, how many of you did your mom or dad ever sit down and say, okay, Junior, I'm going to teach you how to lie today. And, and they look at me like, you are crazy. And I'd mention other things. No, we don't, we don't need to teach anyone how to lie. We don't need to teach anyone how to be selfish. You've never had to teach a child how to throw a temper tantrum, have you? They've watched you and they learn real well, right? The the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, right? Sad to say, that's what happens in our families. He gives us kids to show us ourselves. But we are sinners by nature. And secondly, then, we are sinners by choice. We choose to sin. It's in our nature, but it's not like, Well, I wouldn't have wanted to sin, but it's in my nature. No, we choose to sin. So twofold, I am a sinner by nature and by choice. And the Bible tells us that sin 
has consequences. Look at chapter 3 again of Romans and verse 19. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. One of the consequences of sin is guilt. We, all throughout history, mankind has tried to come up with ways to deal with guilt. And it doesn't matter. You can can change what is called sin and call it a virtue, but there's still guilt that is there. And the law is to bring us to that point that we are guilty before God. Guilt is a is a heavy weight. It's a it's a heavy burden. But the Bible also tells us a consequence of sin is the wrath of God. Turn to John chapter 3. John chapter 3, we hear John 3 and we immediately think of John 3.16. And what a great truth is in John 3.16. But notice if you'd look in verse 18. He who believes in Him is not condemned... But he who does not believe is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And then look down to verse 36, the last verse of that chapter. He who believes in the Son has everlasting life, and he who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides upon him. The wrath of God. Our guilt also brings the wrath of God. We are condemned. Our sin brings guilt. It brings condemnation. It brings the wrath of God. In Ephesians, he said, we are the children of wrath. But look at Romans chapter 6 and verse 23. So, sin has consequences and we can we're not even going to list the consequences the earthly consequences that come but spiritually it brings it brings guilt it brings condemnation it brings the wrath of god and notice Romans 6:23 for the wages of sin is death we'll stop right there The end result of sin is death. Death means separation. If since God is holy and I am a sinner, I am separated from God. And if something isn't done with this sin, I, I have eternal death. I am separated from God for all eternity. The wages of sin. In other words, your payment for sin is death. Physical death, spiritual death, separation from God ultimately. So, you have guilt, you have condemnation, you have the wrath of God. Second Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 9 says that The punishment is eternal 
destruction, separation, death. Now, you understand, we are all in a desperate condition. None of us is better off than anyone else. None of us in and of ourselves is more righteous or deserving. We all need to be rescued from our dark, deeply seated rebellion against God. And it's easy for us to think, well, I'm not as bad as Charles Manson. I'm not as bad as this bum. It doesn't matter. Our sin separates us from God, and, and we are in a desperate, desperate condition. And we'll be in that for all eternity if something isn't done. And that's why there is, there is the gospel. There is the good news. There is only one cure for sin. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. It was for me he died. He took my death. See, And until we personally own our sin, we won't see the need of Jesus Christ. That's why you cannot emphasize the gospel without emphasizing sin. This is foundational to everything. Tonight, I urge you to be back. This principle of the sinful nature of man is foundational to the philosophies of our world today. The difference between leftism and rightism or whatever you want to call it fundamentally comes back to these things right here. And we'll touch on that. Child training, how people view training children, comes back how you view the heart of man. How you view your own heart. See, it's as though, let's, let's let... Let's let this represent God, and this represents us. We, we are born into this world with a heart that is against God. We're, we turn our back. We're born in that way. Then we choose it as well. And in this condition, I am condemned already. So there, what can deliver me from this? What can, what can turn me so that I can be a member of God's family? Well, people try religion. Nope, that won't turn you. They try good works. That won't turn you. Nothing will turn us except Jesus Christ. And then I must humble myself and say, God, I am a desperate willful, rebellious sinner, and I need Jesus Christ to forgive my sins. And the moment we do that, we have fellowship with God. We sang, um, boldly I approach thy throne. It's only through Jesus Christ. 
And we sang, and can it be that I should gain an interest in the Lord? How can that be? I, I am guilty. I deserve the worst judgment. I deserve to be separated from God. But I am not through Jesus Christ. And, and he said in, in 2 Corinthians, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 so that we see it. <clears throat> 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21. <clears throat> For he, that's God, made him, Jesus Christ, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. There it explains the gospel. God allowed Jesus Christ to bear our sin and our death so that Jesus Christ could offer to us forgiveness and we would be given Jesus Christ's righteousness. That means we have fellowship with God. And that is the only cure for sin. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 22 says, Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. There is no forgiveness of sin without Jesus Christ. None whatsoever. So if a person denies Jesus Christ and yet says they're going to heaven, the Bible says they're a liar. There is no forgiveness except through Jesus Christ. Now, it is important for us to realize, we can't emphasize enough for us to realize how great our sin is. I mean, the greatness, the gravity of our sin. And by nature, we are all filled with pride. And we think we're not as bad as other people. And when we don't see our sin, I want to just quickly give you four consequences. When we don't see the greatness of our own personal sin, we are filled with pride. And, and you know, it, it really comes in Christian circles. Well, why wouldn't God save me? I wasn't that bum. I didn't beat my wife. I didn't do this and that. And, and you can always find someone that you can compare yourself to that makes you feel better. And, and we sometimes get the idea, you know, God, he chose me to be on his team because he knew I'd be an asset. No. We sang, tis mercy all. Mercy is undeserved. God didn't bring us his grace because we were so good. He brought us his grace because we needed it. And when we don't see the greatness of our sin, <clears throat> we get filled up with pride and we think, well, why wouldn't God save me? Or I'm not as bad as so-and-so. And God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. God hates pride. And when we think of sin, we often think of, of actions, 
adultery, idolatry, covetousness, so on and so forth, we seldom think of pride. The first sin that was ever committed was committed by Lucifer, and it was pride. I will be like the Most High. And our pride, we need to pray daily, God, show me my own pride. Show me my own sin. And when we don't see our sin, not only are we filled with pride, we don't see our need of a Savior. See, we haven't emphasized sin to the point of realizing, wow, I am in bad shape and I need a Savior. Evangelist Ray Comfort also illustrated this in a clear manner. He said, imagine if I said to you, I've got some good news for you. Someone just paid your $25,000 speeding fine. You'd probably react by saying, what are you talking about? That's not good news. It doesn't make any sense to me. I don't have a $25,000 speeding fine. But he said, however, if I said it this way, on the way to this meeting, you were clocked going 55 miles an hour in an area set aside for a blind children's convention. There were 10 clear warning signs stating that 15 miles an hour was the speed limit, and you went straight through that at 55 miles an hour. And you were identified, and there is a $25,000 fine on you. The law is about to take its course when someone you don't know stepped in and paid your $25,000 fine. The second scenario would mean a whole lot more to the guy, wouldn't it? When he doesn't know that he's violated the law, it doesn't mean anything. You need Jesus. Why do I need Jesus? Because you have a fine that you cannot pay. You have a burden that you cannot relieve. And because we don't look at our own sin and because we don't emphasize sin in the presentation of the gospel, I don't have a debt. So Jesus paid my debt. Whoop-de-doo, I don't have a debt. Go tell someone else that. This is why the doctrine of sin is very, very important. When we don't see sin as we ought to, we are puffed up with pride. We don't see our need of a Savior And we don't praise God abundantly. If we realize the mess we were in, and then Jesus Christ came to save us from our sin, we would be praising God forever and forever and forever. Because I was condemned. There was no hope for me. And 
out of His love and mercy, nothing on my part. He has forgiven my sin. He's given me fellowship with God. He says He'll never leave me nor forsake me. He will make His grace abundant in my life. See, it is so important for us to realize our natural state until sin is seen and understood as significant as it is, the gospel will never be cherished. Sin is a bigger disaster than we think it is. And when we realize that, grace is even more amazing for us to grasp. You're familiar with the song, Amazing Grace. John Newton, I'm sure most of you have heard the story of it, was a slave trader, had a godly mother that prayed for him, but went away, far away in sin, to the point his own captain of his own ship, his own crew despised him and hated him and and led mutinies against him, and he ended up being um, in bondage of sin that, that just covered him completely. But the grace of God came upon him. He remembered his mother's prayers. And realizing his desperate, desperate condition, he cried out to Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. And his heart was filled with great, great joy to God. And he wrote the song, Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound That Saved a Wretch Like Me. See, we often don't think we're the wretch. Another song says that he should die for such a worm as I. Do you, do you understand? There are churches that have changed that in their songbooks. Because, no, I'm not a worm. We're worse than a worm. We're a venomous snake. And if we come to realize the greatness of our sin and God's forgiveness, we will be brought Thank you, God, for saving my soul. Thank you, God, for making me whole. Thank you, God, for giving to me thy great salvation, so rich and free. You say, I didn't have a very good week. Well, has the grace of God saved you from hell? Then you had a good week. And don't forget that. That regardless of what happens, nothing can separate me from the love of God. And to realize I'm saved by the grace of God, I should be filled with praise to God continually. When, when we don't emphasize and don't see our own sin, then there is no hope or deliverance. See, when, when, when we just say all people are good, all people are good, we don't even, we have no, no regard 
or any hope or deliverance. Because deep inside, we know all people aren't good. And these do-gooders going around saying all people need is a, a better environment or they need more wages or th- more this or that. There's no hope in that. And, and we have millennia of history that show that. The only hope we have is Jesus Christ. And it not only gives us hope for eternity, but it gives us hope for now. That, that He will shepherd us. That He will guide us. And see, you may be here today as a believer. But we need to ask God, God, show me my sin. Show me what you saved me from. It will give us a greater love for God. The psalmist said, God, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and see if there be any wicked way within me. And when God shows us our sin, that we cry out to Him, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I confess my sin. And You said You would be faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And the greater our sin, the more glorious the gospel. It doesn't mean the more sin you committed, the more awareness you have of your heart and its rebellious nature against God. And listen, our hearts spring up with rebellion. I mean, our hearts are rebellious by nature. I mean, even as we as Christians, we're we're rebels. We don't like being told what to do. It doesn't matter by who or where. And God, in your mercy, you saved me. We should be filled with praise to God continually. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Heavenly Father, I pray that personally, each of us would be brought to see the greatness, not of other sins, but of our own sin nature. And Lord, I pray that our hearts would be filled with thanksgiving to the forgiveness that there is in Jesus Christ that would overflow in praise to God continually. Lord, I pray if there is one here today who has never turned from their own way to trust Jesus Christ, that today, before they leave, they would mention that to us and we could show them from the Bible how they can be adopted into your family, how they can know all their sin is forgiven. And Lord, I pray for every believer here today, may we not minimize our our sin nature. May we not minimize our pride and, and sinful bent. But Lord, may we bury ourselves in the truth of You. May we feed on the truth of Your Word And may we yield ourselves as members of righteousness unto You. Lord, thank You for Your amazing grace. 
Lord, thank you for the gift of eternal life in Jesus Christ that conquers sin. Lord, thank you that Jesus Christ rose from the dead to conquer sin and death and hell. And that you now live to intercede for us. We praise you 